Welcome to episode one, season four of Riff Raff News. And this week we'll be taking a look at hot off the press local election results and what do they mean for the party leaders. And we're going to have a look at all the things flying around the Kremlin at the moment. So, Sean, as, as we speak, the results of yesterday's local elections are rolling in. Mm. And just for a little bit of context, uh, these local elections cover more than 8,000 seats and were last contested in 2019. Mm. So four years ago, and obviously a lot's, a lot's <laughs> happened in, in four years. Um, as at uh, a roughly 1.30pm, uh, I took a look. And uh, it's, it's interesting, I think, just to look at the councillors first, mm. as opposed to the councils and the ups and the downs. Um, and, you know, without blinding everyone with numbers, here we go. So Labour had 967 councillors, up 167. Mm. Conservative, 627, down 294. So almost a third from that segment. Yeah. Uh, Lib Dems, 472, which is up 76. And the independent sectors, so 264 up 14. And finally, the Greens, 89 up 45. So, you know, in terms of councillors, individuals, mm. clearly the story is Labour have made decent gains. Yeah. Uh, but the Tories have taken an absolute pasting as at um, 130, which was 81 of 230 councils declared. So there's quite a lot to come yet then, isn't there, at the end of the day? Yeah. Probably two-thirds left to, to, to play Yeah, for. but yeah. generally, uh, the way stats work is there'll be some movement, but mm. probably not, no. in terms of proportions, probably not majorly so. No. I did, uh, Tories are what, roughly 300 down. I did hear that a thousand losses or more would be seen as an absolute disaster. Yeah. Uh, well, they're well on the way to that. Well, she lost. Um, you were talking about two thousand and nineteen. Mm, um, mm. It did for Theresa May almost when they, they lost thirteen hundred seats in in that um, yeah that fiasco and and that took them to a low point. So this would be a, a, <laughs> a terribly low point, wouldn't it, to lose more on top of that. Yeah, it would be. Yes, a good point. It's incremental, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it would be. A, in terms of individual councils, very quickly, Conservatives so far have lost 13, Labour have gained four, Lib Dems up one. The You think, well, that maths doesn't add up. The reason is no over con overall control is now up seven. So you've basically mm -hmm. got split councils. The knocks. Which, pardon? The knocks. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. And the, the, obviously, you know, it's another debate, but that probably doesn't doesn't result in effective leadership, I wouldn't have thought, but that's another story. Um, as, as regards sort of some headlines for those people who are interested in regions and areas, Labour have won uh, Swindon, Medway, Stoke-on-Trent, Plymouth. Um, these are big wins mm. in terms of, um, you know, they're bellwether uh, areas, aren't they, really? They would call them yes. bellwether areas in respect of yeah. where elections are leading in the future. That's right. Uh, Lib Dems have won in Windsor and Maidenhead, true blue territories. Again, Theresa and May. Theresa May, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, interesting quote from Sunak. Um, 
He's denied that there has been a groundswell of movement, but acknowledged some disappointing results. <laughs> well, they were they were both the parties, weren't they? Both the major parties were um, trying to rein in expectations before this. I, mm. I, I know that the, um, the the Tories were saying that they expected Labour to to gain a thousand. Uh, seats a thousand um, councillors yeah. and, and uh, the Labour Party were saying that they thought it would be a good night if they gained 400 so there's a huge gulf between the two and and yeah. what I think is quite interesting is that the the, the toys obviously put out this figure as a, of a thousand overestimating way overestimating what they thought would be a really bad night for them so anything under a thousand they can exactly. say yeah but it looks now it as though it might be over a thousand well so, statistically know. it's getting on that way um i it, i i haven't quoted sunak i think it's only fair to quote starmer mm. uh, in typical sort of thub thumping uh, get you <laughs> off your seats fashion starmer's called it a road to a better britain oh, okay <laughs> yeah. it's gone down well <laughs> It's it's uh, I mean, all sorts of um, uh, derivatives or digging down into these figures make it interesting, don't they? I mean, the Greens have doubled the number of, of yeah, councillors. They I have. Got. I mean, that's yeah. some performance yeah. uh, from any, you know, of councillors. Councillors, yeah, because yeah. the number's so low, they haven't they haven't gained no. control of any councils. Did they get? So they were. I don't know whether they were that. That wasn't. They weren't voting today, were they? Because they're they're. They run Bristol Council, don't they now? The Greens, or they're hoping to run Bristol Council. Mm. I know they run Brighton. No, Bristol. Bristol weren't voting. Bristol weren't no. voting. So no. they're the biggest. So they are. They are making progress. Liberal Democrats always do well in council elections. I think, from my experience, and and yep. because the other thing they do is they're very good at pinpointing where they feel they can yep. achieve where to most. put their resources. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and and they've done very well again. I mean from from Sunak's perspective, I was listening to Andrea Ledson on um, okay. on TV about an hour ago actually and mm. uh, she was trying to put a brave face on it suggesting that um that, that and and it understandable they were, they've all accepted that the results in terms of local elections with the possible exception of Plymouth where um, where they've had a local issue with regard to the trees. Tory council chopping all their trees down which um, yeah that didn't go down well in, no. in the middle of the night <laughs> as you do <laughs> just before an election I should imagine his colleagues are really the guy who made that decision I should imagine he's top of a lot of people's Christmas card lists at the moment but with the possible exception of Plymouth, I think they're all accepting that voters have been swayed on national issues rather than local issues. And this is a, seen as a rejection of what's happened over the last 30 well, years. Well, I, I was going to ask, I mean, we could go on with analysis of results, but it's a bit dull really, isn't it? I mean, the, head, the headline is that Labour are doing pretty well, Tories have been taken to the cleaners, mm. and the Lib Dems and Greens are are fairly pleased but the question is what does it mean and so if I go my two penneth mm. I think it's absolutely national issues I think the top top issues are the cost of living mm. I think people are absolutely on the floor with uh, the impact of, of price rises mm. uh, way beyond I think anyone 
even a year ago when the war had just kicked off, you know, way beyond what we thought would be coming our way. Mm. Uh, so that's the first thing. And then you add to that public services, in particular NHS, dentistry, the railways, schools. People are just fed up with A, the service you get from these public services and B, the strikes and the impact mm. on their lives. And then I would probably say further down, some people have got long memories of the various scandals of the Johnson and I have to say the Sunak government. Um, we were talking last week about the number of reports that have been issued about behaviour. We were well aware, obviously, of the allegations of Partygate and etc. So they're just three things that mm. I can just pick. At. So I, that what it means to me is people are, are really, really angry mm. about these things. And we haven't even talked about potholes. <laughs> that is a local issue, isn't it, potholes? So I, I guess that's probably... Yep. But no, I, I agree totally. And I think there's... Um, uh, they're, they're take, there's an interesting... You know, we've, we've spoken before, haven't we, about the, um, the, the disruption to the country in terms of railways the national health service and and uh, yeah. and and education which are coming you know which is which is happening now as well and i, I think there's an interesting lesson to be learned from history in that regard if we go back to um back to ted heath do you remember ted heath you and i yeah. are old enough to remember the yeah. the um, yeah. problems that he had with regard to the miners and and uh, mm -hmm. their claims for wages at the time and and three-day weeks and blackouts and what have you and and he went to the country twice in 1974 um when he was against harold wilson um first time he managed to cobble together a coalition with um jeremy thorpe i don't know whether you remember that that held on for I don't a, remember the coalition yeah. but I remember Jeremy Thorpe it held yeah. on for a period of time but then it didn't hold on for too long in, in October right. he went to the country on the basis of um, who rules Britain the government or the unions and by that time I think if he'd have gone earlier um, there would have been some support for the government in respect of their position with regard to the unions but by that time I think the, the public had just had enough they just wanted it all over and done with. They wanted a settlement of the disputes and they wanted things back to normal. I think that's where we're getting to now. I think we're getting to the stage where a pox on your house because you've, whether you, who, well, I don't care who's in the right or who's in the wrong, you have the opportunity to sort these things out um, and, and you've done nothing on that front. And uh, similarly, regardless of whether it's international factors or otherwise in terms of price rises and there's something to be said for that the government of the day is always going to take the can for it if these of course. issues are affecting of course. people in their day-to-day -day yeah. lives which yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, absolutely so i'm now going to give you the role of a political advisor <laughs> uh, to uh, the two big players yeah let's start with sir keir Stummer. in the light of these results mm. And the obvious swing, mm. uh, as as look as it looked at one thirty p.m. What advice would you give to Sir Keir Starmer? What what should he do? Well, I wouldn't have gone out on a triumphalist note to start with. I don't think I'd have been a lot more humble and a lot more uh, understanding. In and do you think he has? 
No, I don't. I, th- I think he's been uh, this this going out on the road to a better Britain. I, I, he needs to keep his people happy. Clearly, there's a lot of people that have spent a lot of time campaigning yes. yeah. and, and have, have produced good results for them. Um, yeah. So I think I think he needs to keep them happy in terms of how he presents it. But I think there's a danger uh, uh, that they become um, are not conceited. There's a danger that they they think it's all one that it's all we don't need to do anything in the next year we can sit back and wait for an election victory and and whilst it's a it's a very good win on local election levels people vote differently a when they get to general elections and there's also i mean i don't know what you do you know what the turnout is but generally the turnout no. on on local normally elections, very low normally very low in comparison to general elections so there's a lot of people who could be staying at home. There's a lot of people that could be protest votes. There's a lot of people who are who, who didn't realise that they needed ID. So I think it's probably going to be a lot closer at a general election than it would appear at the moment. Yeah, agreed. So, so uh, my so, advice yeah. to him would be to, to keep his foot on the pedal, to try and keep expectations flattened a little bit at the moment. And and to make sure that when they get to the to polling day, they they reach their peak at the right time. Do you think the public, uh, the voting public, and I'm talking about the general election now, not mm. not the local election. Do you think they care about his um, reversals? Uh, so he's he's no longer bothered about the common ownership of utilities. He's no longer bothered about um, increasing the top rate of tax by five percent. And he he doesn't really want to scrap tuition fees. Do you, do you think anyone cares about that? Well, some people on the left will care, won't they? They're, they're, mm. There's spitting vitriol from some elements of the far left. The people who supported Jeremy Corbyn when when he was leader. Yeah, of you the mean the members of the party do? But I'm I'm talking more broadly. Yeah, some of the members of the party. The electorate. Yeah, yeah, I think there's an element yeah. of the the party. There's a that I would say probably t- two. Um, I'm making very broad brush, but I would say yeah, probably yeah. two thirds of the party are in favour of him moving the party back to the centre to become yeah. more, more electable with the yeah. general population. Then there's that one third, maybe even less of the party, who are who have that doctrine of of um, public ownership of um, high taxes, socialism, yeah. who who are prepared yeah. to abandon. Um, almost prepared to abandon the party and vote for somebody else if yeah. if they don't adhere to that. That um, so I think he's uh, with the general public. I think he's probably moving in the right direction. I mean, from a personal point of view, the only other thing I would say is that um, you know, if you're a student, you're not going to be very happy, are you? If he's made commitments, I mean, the, that's how no. Nick Clegg came undone, wasn't it? Really, when he made commitments in terms of uh, scrapping well that's how he's he's being remembered mm. I mean he did get to be deputy prime minister which isn't bad well he did and but, he, but that he's was now a, big dog in Facebook isn't he <laughs> so he's, oh meta sorry meta then they yeah. crashed and burned without him at the next election they, because th- they did that's true yeah that, that is yeah. that is true but okay and and to be fair to Sir Keir Starmer he has said that all these things are very good and well but you've got to be 
in government to influence any of that. Mm. So he's focusing on winning the election. So, okay, that's your advice to him. Uh, now, this might be a little bit more difficult. Uh, advice for Mr. Sunak. What, if he wants to win the next general election, uh, what does he need to do or should he just pack up and go home? Um, if I were him, I'd say yeah. we need to get these disputes sorted like yesterday. To sort the disputes, uh, yeah, agreed. We need to get people around the table and get that, get yeah. that um, out the way. I think he needs to be projecting some sort of hope for the future. I mean, these these five things that they keep they keep repeating over and over again. Priorities, you know, yeah. Get the stop the boats. I mean, I, I I they're creating the boats thing themselves because I don't they think are. that would be. Yeah. I, I don't know how you how you would get rid of that now because they put it to the to the top of an agenda, and I don't think that's achievable for one minute. I don't. I think had it been achievable, it would have been done over the last ten years or countless governments have done that but in it, i think he needs to provide some sort of hope um and and at the moment all they seem to be doing and he's a numbers man and i appreciate that we almost need a bit more um uh for, from the conservatives we need a bit more um boosterism well perhaps? well I, I, <laughs> I, I, anyone I, in particular <laughs> i i'm reluctant to say boosterism but i i take on board what you're what you're saying is difficult. We've gone from the sublime to the ridiculous. We've gone from from yeah. fantasist to an accountant, and and yeah. we're now now we're sort of it's going to be dreadful for the next ten, fifteen. I don't know how you how you provide that that hope without lying. That's the that that that's the issue, isn't it? Because we we've done a lot of things i mean we could move in the right direction in terms of getting ourselves back into the european single market but nobody's these issues with regard to the economy nobody's prepared to take the bull by the horns at the moment and i think he's in a very very difficult situation he's done quite well so far other than the industrial areas i think other than the the disputes um uh, it's difficult. What would you suggest that he do? I, I actually don't think he can do very much because I think most of the things, accepting your point about disputes, need to settle those because the public are just getting fed up with it. But mm. some of them are getting close, aren't they, actually? But anyway, uh, I think he's just got to hold out because the things, his pledges, so first of all, his pledges are his pledges, priorities, he calls them. Mm. Uh, whether the public care about them or not is another story but they probably do he says he wants to halve inflation well public don't know what the inflation percentage is it's get the good get the prices of my shopping basket down mm. grow the economy yeah great but what does that mean more wages better jobs get the debt to fall i don't think the public really care about that um it's probably a good thing if you tell them the debt's fallen but i don't think they're going to get too excited but the big one uh, i think is cut the nhs waiting list if they managed to cut them mm. by let's say a year's time and people could see that their friends and family were getting treated a lot more quickly uh then then that'd be fine stop the small boats yeah i think it's it's a it's, it's a 
clearly a political issue. Uh, and yes, if they do, great. If they don't, I, I don't think the majority of people will care too much about that. No. Um, so I'd, I'd say he's got little choice but to stick with these things and hope and ride it out. However, even if all these things happen, I think their time is up. Mm, no, I, I tend to agree with you. I think um, uh, comments on um, on what you've just said. I, I'm, I'm interested in um, in the NHS thing. I think you're quite right on that. But uh, goodness knows how you achieve with the shortages that there are in the NHS. I mean, we we've spoken on this pod before yeah, we about have. certain things. I mean, talk about dentistry, and you talk about um, GP services. GP services are uh, and not the GPs themselves. I appreciate they're doing job as well as they can, but the accessibility to GPs is atrocious now. Um, NHS services you, you you can't access, and and there aren't the nurses available to be able to provide those services. So I think that I think he needs a miracle in some fashion to be able to resolve those. And the talk about halving inflation, you're quite right. But if we take it at its face value, even if you halve the inflation figure, we're not going into reverse. We're not taking food no. down. We're no. not reducing the price of food. We just mean we just mean it's going up at a lesser rate than a it slower is at rate. the moment. Yeah, yeah. Which um, that's not going to help anybody. When they look in, people look in their shopping basket, they're still going to see my tomatoes are twice the price that they were this time last year that's yeah. not you know if he really wanted to help on that front maybe he could look at using some way of um uh, the tax system to benefit um those goods that are considered to be essentials and maybe tax more heavily those goods that are considered to be luxury items but i don't it's know it's called vat you know. sean vat isn't on food is it well, it so. isn't. No, maybe you could. Put, no, so yeah. I, yeah. I think uh, so. Anyway, I think what we're saying is that um, uh, yes, he's probably got to try and do all these things, uh, and I, I call this strategy um, hope things don't get any worse strategy, <laughs> uh, and that's probably the best uh, the best that he can do. But we'll keep an eye on the rest of these results and uh, maybe update uh, next week. So um, what's happening at the Kremlin at the moment? I don't know whether you've seen reports over the last um, week Couldn't or so. Couldn't miss it, really. Yeah, a couple of, um, a couple of drones, um, mm. one after the other, have, have hit one of the domes uh, at the Kremlin when um, uh, Vladimir Putin was uh, at the, on the outskirts of Moscow at one of his other residences. He wasn't in, in situ, so nobody was hurt. But the... Um, the, the Kremlin have accused all sorts of different people, predominantly the Ukrainians and, and the Americans, of um, an assassination attempt, which they okay. they flatly denied, as you've probably seen, both the Americans and uh, and uh, the Ukrainians. But it's turning into a bit of an Agatha Christie, really, uh, who done it and mm. why they've done it and what they hope to get out of it. It's a bit like the... Um, do you remember the the uh, uh, Nord Stream pipeline? Oh yeah, well that, yeah, that's still under investigation. That's still yeah. going on, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it uh, is. Yeah, and 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 it's of a similar nature, I think, in terms of um, the players and what they hope would hope to gain, or what are the advantages and disadvantages. So I've I've 
I've looked at it in those terms and I've almost done like you remember we used to do this when we were at work we used to the pros and the cons oh, pros and cons yeah, yeah pros yeah, and cons two so, sides of the chart that's it <laughs> no more than five bullets each side absolutely yeah, yeah. That's so it. You, you got your, your marker pens out you're ready I to go you. then ready so, to go yeah I'm, I'm off so yeah. so chip in here if, if I will um, yeah if you if you um, feel inclined so I've listed the possible culprits according to the the media and these okay. people make it obviously Russia themselves I think yeah. um, a red what they call the red flag event isn't it in terms of uh, we'll go on to the, the the ins and outs of that okay Ukraine themselves uh, oh yeah that, that's yeah. quite straightforward you straightforward yeah um, independent Ukrainian saboteurs so these are people who are who are acting of their own volition and whether they be well they'd have to be within side um, Russia I think because I don't oh, think okay. these, yeah. these drones have necessarily got the um, yeah. So, um, Russian nationalist groups. These are the the ultras, the the people who aren't don't feel that Putin's being hardline enough. They want him to go in with heavy, more heavy weaponry, and, and yeah, even to the extent of using nuclear weapons. And on the other side of the coin, anti-war Russian groups. Um, mm -hmm. We don't hear a lot of them, but they are around. There are people within the Russian Federation who don't think this was a good idea um, so um, to have a look at it in its, in its broadest terms uh, for Russia um, what are the advantages of a red flag event I don't know whether you want to explain to our listeners what a what a red flag event is if, if well it's you know. it's espionage isn't it it's uh, an attack on yourselves uh, cloaked as an attack uh, by the enemy mm. um, to really garner opinion or justify your next action. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that's just essentially what it is. So um, I've, I've, I've got here that the, the, the advantages of the so-called red flag event would be that, uh, to help Russia in terms of mobilisation so that they'll be able to to display this to their people as Russia under threat. You yeah. need to come and sign up to uh, yeah to protect the motherland. Effectively, yeah, go along with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, a premise for a strong response in Ukraine. So gives gives him the excuse again to be able to send over loads of munitions, doesn't it? In terms of bombs and missiles and what have you. Um, on on the outskirts of that. Because they've classed it as an assassination attempt, I suppose they could argue that they, you know, they could try to assassinate Zelensky, um, which I think would be a bit of a disaster if that were to happen. So I, one can only hope that the uh, Ukrainian special forces are on their guard. And uh, on top of that, an opportunity, as they do, to take at any particular point to attack the West because we're supposedly involved in all this, the, um, the Americans. So the Russians have said, are the people who are making the decisions as to uh, as to whether these sort of attacks take place. And there's some justification in that. If you take into account these leaks that have, you know, the ones that came from the Pentagon, from this, this guy, apparently there were, uh, the, the, there's information in there that suggests that the Americans have already stop the Ukrainians on a number of occasions from uh, making attacks deep inside Russia. 
and they've they've said no you can't do that we're not going to have any of that right you know again it depends upon how reliable that information is but so that's i think where the where the Mm. russians are coming from so the the disadvantages to um to a red flag event sort of blows apart his impunity claim doesn't it putin himself has been very clear about how he's there to protect the russian people and and that they're they're Im- effectively they're immune from what's mm. going on in his special military operation. They're still calling it their special military operation, aren't they? Even though they've almost called up three quarters of the country now in terms of taking yeah. part. Um, it highlights the vulnerability of Moscow and and the poor defence systems they've got. I mean that's astonishing, isn't it? That a couple of drones could get into the Kremlin um, from from across the, you know from without being shot down way before they've got anywhere near yeah. there quite quite worrying i would have thought for um for the military it's embarrassing um it brings the war home to muscovites it, you can't feel safe now can you if if drones are dropping in your home city whereas before it was uh, something that was taking place thousands of miles away on a television in Ukraine. Set. Yeah. In Ukraine, exactly. Um, and it also has an, has the um, effect of weakening Putin amongst his um, internal adversaries. Um, we're talking in a minute a bit about uh, this gentleman called Prigozhin, who leads the Wagner Group. The Wagner Group. Yeah. And, and there's some question as to whether they're all singing from the same hymn sheet or not. Well, you could add him, that list of potential sources of the drones. You could add the Wagner Group to... To that, couldn't you? <laughs> you could do actually, I suppose. I'm yeah. serious. Yeah, you could. Yeah. They know because because what what um, maybe we'll come on to this, but what I was thinking is resources. It mm. it's not easy to come by these drones. They're quite expensive. Mm. Um, so that's the other question: who would have the resources? These fringe groups probably wouldn't. Mm. But you know, someone in the Wagner groups probably already got them. So yeah. Well, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because we've heard nothing yet on on what, you know, they'll have fragments of these drones left, won't they? That's right. They'll be able to identify who who um, manufactured them and uh, possibly for, and effectively who who operated them. So mm. interesting, and none of that's come out yet. None of that's in the public mm. domain. You'd expect it to be there. So that's an interesting viewpoint that it might be Prigozhin and the Wagner Group. So, with under disadvantages and advantages for Russia, from Ukraine, it's almost obviously a reverse. Um, yeah. So, it displays Russia's vulnerability to their own people. It would be really good. It's a morale boost for those at home to see that they, um, mm. that they can hit Russia in the same way that they're, you know, they're being hit. Highlights Ukraine's reach. It effectively says, look, we can, we can hit you whenever we want with our drones and it's a display to um even though some of them are suggesting that they don't want it's a display to allies isn't it of the progress that they've made in terms of being able to um to fight this war disadvantages of course is it elicits a russian response um and no doubt we'll see what they're going to do over the next few days in that regard um and it's supposedly based upon what i was saying just now supposedly breaches certain allies wishes i don't think the americans want to be seen to be supporting the ukrainian army that are now taking no. the war into mainland russia 
which um, is going to complicate matters further. Although that again, you wonder what would, what is what? Why would Putin want to? You know, why would he want to cast this as a as an East versus West? He, surely he doesn't want to get involved in a dis, in a in a ground war with NATO. It wouldn't seem to make much sense, would it? So, in in general terms, in respect to the conflict, I've got a section that I've got looking at what's coming up. Yeah. So we've got the the counter offensive, we, which is um, which, yeah still on the cards, which um, they keep talking about, but nothing's actually. Taken well, last place week's yet. news wasn't it? I think you said it on the pod. Ninety eight percent of the uh, armed vehicles and tanks mm. are now in situ. And they were just waiting for the weather. Yeah, waiting to see. Yeah, mm. um, you were talking earlier, and th- this statement by Mr. Prigozhin about um, Wagner withdrawing from Bakhmut from from Wednesday yeah. uh, if they don't uh, if they're not provided with more munitions. He's got form on this, hasn't he? He's made these bellicose statements before, but mm. not quite as strong as. No, as it's very this. very strange. Yeah, he's called, he's called um, uh, Sergei Shyugu, the, the Russian defence minister, and, and Valery Gerasimov, the chief of the general staff, scumbags. And, um, <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, and promised that they would burn in hell, eating their guts for failing to provide Wagner with enough ammunition. And it's not, not really conducive to a good working relationship between... The mainstream Russian military and and this mercenary no. group is it? Well, to be fair, he wasn't sitting on the fence, was he? <laughs> now, do you think this is a, you know, reading between the lines again? It it, it, it obviously uh, to put pressure on mainstream military to provide him with more munitions. But the other thing it could be uh, is a uh, uh, the preliminary smokescreen uh, as to why they're not doing as well in Bakhmut as maybe they have been okay. to now. So it'd be interesting to see what happens over the next week, whether they either get this these extra munitions that they say that they need and they continue with pressing, or whether they start to withdraw from Bakhmut and that was always the game plan anyway because they're not doing as well as they thought they were doing. So watch this space in in that regard yeah and they i think the his his, his article also said that um uh, whilst they might withdraw the russian the russian troops the main army mm. could take over instead it's like an invitation oh, was that? oh that's nice yeah, yeah. well he's yeah. called the commander <laughs> commander scumbags but said you come in and take our place i think that's the point he's making these are these guys who would be the, the they're the conscripts, aren't they? The the, the Russian yeah. mainstream and presumably army some of the main Russian army, but uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, very strange. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, uh, the other thing coming up, I just wondered whether there was any. I can't see we're in a position yet, but there seems to be a lot of jostling going on in terms of any possible negotiations. Um, I don't think we're to that point yet, are we? We're, we're no, there was that uh, little bit of hope value, wasn't there, that President Xi allegedly had had a call mm. with Zelensky, um, mm. but that that news was headline news for about an hour and then fizzled out. So mm. um, maybe that was wishful thinking. 
there are moves i don't know whether you saw this there are moves at the united nations that are quite interesting in that um where um the uh where xi the chinese and some of the BRIC nations have previously voted on resolutions they voted um w uh, to abstain yeah now apparently they're they're more um um more difficult to interpret the resolution so they're more open to interpretation that's what i'm trying to say but they're now voting in favor of those resolutions which could be seen as criticism of russia so there's jostling going on there which is quite interesting quite interesting to look at um and 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 russian mobilization he's talking again isn't he about um mobilizing more troops to be able to get we we talked about the um advertising the, the campaign advertising campaign yeah. didn't we on the on the mm. pod a couple of weeks ago but he's now actually talking about a further mobilization um and obviously they're digging in on defensive positions in the donbass waiting for this um waiting for this offensive so interesting i don't know um it's just watch this space i guess with with um the ukrainian situation but these these little things that keep coming up they really are quite um like the uh, the Nord Stream and like the uh, the drone things, really are interesting to speculate, and I'm hopefully further down the line when this is all over and done with, we'll get a bit more clarity on who was actually behind them. So, in case you missed it, Sean, and probably linked to our earlier conversation about the local election results and the general election, uh, Tory MPs are getting very concerned about uh, the fact that Sunak has dropped house building targets mm. entirely. 300,000 uh, a year, wasn't it? It was, it? yeah. We were very well informed that's exactly what it was. Uh, it's not helped by the fact that Sir Keir Starmer has said he would immediately reinstate them if Labour won the general election. Mm. And now um, backbenchers are getting very jittery and probably even more jittery as a result of um, the election results that are rolling in. Uh, it's just worth remembering that Sunak dropped uh, these targets in December of last year after about 100 Tory MPs threatened rebellion against leveling up and regeneration bills. So it's somewhat self-inflicted. And as you say, previously there was this target of 300,000 homes per annum in mm. England, just England. Uh, and the compromise, but the target would still exist, but it would be, get this, advisory. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they'd, they'd run taxation on that basis, that, that you'd still get a tax bill, but it was advisory. Advisory, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, in a fight back at PMQs this week, Sunak suggested Labour wanted to concrete over the green belt. <laughs> I thought that was quite a good soundbite. And ride roughshod over local communities. It's standard, uh, standard stuff from the Tories, I guess. Um, but, of course, you know, uh, rising rents and mortgages are fueling the debate, aren't they? Because, mm. you know, surely we can't endorse nimbyism as people have got to have a home to live in, haven't they? Well, that's exactly, I mean, exactly yeah. what you were saying there. That feeds into today's um, results, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, council electorate, because there was a there's talk that I was listening to in, uh, overnight that the uh, down in the, what they're calling the Blue Wall area, yeah. the, the, the southeast of England, yeah. um, they, <laughs> they were subject to this 300,000 um, house 
build targets and and they've that was one of the top issues with regard to conservative voters in that area as to why they've stepped forward and rejected conservative councillors it's not their fault the conservative councillors but they don't want the the green belt as he would call it now you know the um the, the, the Sunak, his his green belt, effectively, they he, they don't want that built over, which one can understand. But how you how you square this circle between the the nim, nimbyism, as some people would see, yeah. and the need for housing? They, they were talking the other day, and you're somebody maybe who who could who could talk on this issue. The equation changes when you've got children who can't afford to buy their own property or. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and not even buy. I mean, if you you look at the last um, the last year, rents are up ten percent on what they were this time last year. Fifteen yep. percent on average, if you're in London. But you know, I, I've I've heard of stories where it's where it's far more than that. And that's not just if you're looking for somewhere. That's if you're in somewhere, mm. and suddenly mm. you get that your your rent goes up that much, and back to house house buying and younger people uh the average person people reckon have to now save for nine years to save a deposit yeah uh, on a on a house or a flat and if you're in london that jumps to 15 years so just picture maybe you've been to uni maybe and you're what 22 23 first job in london you wouldn't be buying your first pad no. until you were almost 40 well, that f- that feeds into these figures from Rightmove today oh, okay. that have Go said on. that um, uh, new first-time buyers are now typically paying two hundred pounds a month more yep. on their mortgage than they were a year ago. Okay, um, because of a combination of higher loan rates and record asking prices for property. Yeah. So that, that I mean, that's ex- exactly what you're saying, which is which is is pricing people out of the market, and that's a, it also includes. A, um, figures uh, which suggest that rents have resumed their upwards march, as they're calling it, uh, at the same time. So I, I find it difficult with the, with the rental argument because yeah. you get lots of people, don't you? There seems to be, as as there is with a lot of issues, there's a there seems to be black and white arguments. There's those people on, on one side who believe wholeheartedly in the free market and would say, well, you know, things will rectify themselves in terms of rents. And on the other side of the argument, there's people who want rent controls. We've had, we've had those in this country, in this country before, and they don't, they don't work very well because it's, it's, it, it stymies the market and people pull out and sell their property and what have you. Now, whether that, that's the intention that would bring down the property market and that in itself is a contention one way or the other whether you want the price of your property to continue going up or whether you want to see your the value of your property go down as a result of an extra glut on 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 the market hmm. but the the rent issue itself you've got to i think what you've got to ask is why do people own properties and why do they rent them out and generally it's because they've decided that they can't get the return if they're saving for a pension for example they can't get the returns by investing elsewhere that they can get in the in in the property market and the rents going up that's because these people if they depends upon who it is you've got who are the landlords 
but if you're an individual and you own one or two properties then your expenses will be going up as well and you all you're doing effectively is passing it on to your tenants isn't it yeah and that's the main reason the and so it's exactly that as buy to let loans have run off their fixed rate they're being renewed at the current rate and landlords are just having to they're just having to put the rents up otherwise they'll default mm. on their loans because the majority will have probably leveraged quite high so if they've bought a buy to let property they've probably borrowed 70-ish 80 percent of it yeah so they can't not pass on the cost of the borrowing no the other the other thing that's affecting um supply side is um lots of landlords are leaving they're selling up because mm. they're worried about uh, amongst other things uh ever increasing punitive tax treatment of their mm. rental income and mm. also the fact that uh, i think it's next year they have to have upgraded the energy performance certificate of their home to c uh, yeah. if it's not already at c and that could be very costly for for some landlords you know uh, insulation double glazing etc mm. etc so there's lots of things at play here but the bottom line is uh it we we've removed this policy of building 300,000 homes mm. but at the same time as you say it's getting more expensive to rent and buy uh it is interesting that the estimation of this policy change is the number of new homes could fall from 233,000 a year so let's be clear it was never at 300,000 anyway <laughs> uh, yeah no. to 155,000 because of these changes and it's it's just really unclear as to how house building can be encouraged um Interestingly, a levelling up department spokesman said, here we go, <laughs> we are committed to building 300,000 homes per annum are investing 11.5 billion to build affordable homes the country needs. Well, as usual, throwing loads of statistics. If, if you, if you were committed, then why would you take away the target? You know, well, that's, that's just nonsense. As you it? say, it's the, it's the Blue Rinse Brigade, isn't it? Um, yeah. who aren't happy for context i did go back to um the office of uh, national statistics to sort of have a look at you know when when did we build anywhere there, near this number mm. of homes and you really can't nail it to be honest um we built uh let's just go to um 2019 the year mm. before the pandemic we built 178,000 homes yeah. Yeah. 2022 205,000 uh, in our heyday if you go back to 1978 we did quite well 241,000 um, interestingly then the balance was 50% private by the house builders mm. and 50% by um, local authorities yeah uh, whereas now it's 75% private and 25% housing associations in the main. Well, I guess we've uh, gone through that, that yeah. during that period, of the, you know, that you're talking about the early 70s, but subsequent to that, we went through the period of Thatcherism and home ownership being yeah. the be all and end all of, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of, of how you, you know, how you prove your, your, your up and coming in the world and everybody has the right to own their own property. 
and the, the selling off of council properties over that period of the right to buy um, that's depleted social housing isn't it to a to a greater degree and I, I I just don't know how we um I mean the last time I think from my recollection that we were building and, and significantly more than than the three hundred thousand was the Attlee government after the Second World War when we were building council housing and and social housing um, uh, to to effectively house right. those people coming and, and and it was the first sort of major socialist government. Um, in Britain's history, wasn't it? Yeah, the famous two up, actually, two downs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah the same yeah. time as the National Health Service, nineteen forty-eight. Yeah. It was yeah. all, it was all happening. Ironically, when we had no money whatsoever, we, <laughs> we had, um, you know, we'd spent money during the Second World War, and we didn't have a penny to, you know, excuse my language, a pot to piss in, and yet we all these social welfare um, schemes were as a result of commitments made. Doing, doing the second one. So the question is really, what do, what do we do? Uh, so we haven't got anywhere near 300,000 homes, uh, at least as far as the ONS stats go back to the uh, late 70s. Mm. Uh, so w- what do I think? So I think we need to go back to um, proper regionally devolved housing targets. That's a no-brainer. Uh, I think we should protect the green belt uh, mm. and focus on brown belt sites. Uh, and we should definitely force house builders to build out more quickly and not sit on massive land banks because they can get planning permission and just sit on them. Mm. Uh, Other ideas which I've seen floated around is perhaps uh, reduce or remove stamp duty for um, older people trading down to free up properties there because you know there's a lot of elderly people in big houses which would yeah. um it, that that's a thought i had and just review stamp duty in general you know I'd, whether I'd, yeah i'd agree with that i think they were talking earlier i think the um the um brownfield sites are really interesting i mean if you look at the inner cities and the the shopping centers that we've got around the country look at debenhams for example we've got the there's huge um scope there for yeah. building one bedroom flats in these these areas that are in a city which would suit perfectly a lot of yep. young single people who are starting out in life and the last thing which will as always be as popular as the proverbial uh, i think you should look at going back to uh, giving more incentives to private landlords because they are exiting the market mm. at a rate of knots and you know properly run and dare I say regulated it's an important source of housing mm, absolutely um, so we're going we're gonna to have a look now at um, who's been invited to the royal wedding the royal oh. wedding the royal wedding the coronation <laughs> <laughs> you obviously well, know something I don't George. Well, <laughs> the coronation even which um, yeah. which is taking place obviously on Saturday right. yeah. you haven't got an invite no I must have missed it yeah oh who was that? Somebody says, not from my door with an HRH. A bit late in the day. I'll have to get down to Mossbrot later this afternoon. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, some interesting people coming to uh, uh, to the coronation and um, maybe not who you'd possibly expect. No, no. Um, 
Uh, I mean, let's have a look first at the foreign heads of state. There are, okay. there are people. I mean, we could have a conversation about Jill Biden's coming in lieu yep. of uh, in lieu of Joe coming. Yes, Jill and Joe. Um, yeah, and I do wonder, you know, in that in that regard, what do you think about him not coming to? The I think it's I think it's poor form. I I, I, I like we were talking earlier. I like what uh, Donald Trump said that uh, Joe would be sleeping. <laughs> uh, no, I, I can't believe it. One of our oldest allies, yeah, not sending um, obviously somebody who would have been uh, a really big guest uh, and um, representing, you know, yeah. one of our biggest friends and allies. I think it's a shame. I'm a great admirer of Joe Biden, but I have mm. to say on this particular issue, I'm with you, um, and and. Uh, it's it's one thing to send his wife, but uh, quite yeah. honestly, he managed to find time to go and sup some Guinness down in. He did, you know, yeah. With all his what's it a few weeks back, he I yeah. think um, I think he could have shown up at the at the Abbey. Um, so on the, on the foreign heads of state, we've got as we as we know we've got Hang Zeng, who's the vice president of China, on behalf of President Xi, which is quite an interesting one, isn't it? In in regard to uh, China being invited along. I know we're, we're taking more of a middle line with China in comparison to the Americans, aren't we? Um, yeah. Some of the big names from Europe, Emmanuel Macron is coming. I presume he's bringing his wife. Yeah. Um, Frank Walter Steinmeier, the president of Germany. You know, the guy who's got the grey hair and the big black Yeah, glasses. not so well known, is he? Not so no. well known. no. Um, and somebody else who's not very well, Sergio Mattarelli. Um, where do you think Italy, he comes from? Italy, <laughs> <laughs> Did you like my Italian accent? Yeah, perfect. I thought, yeah, I think, um, yeah, he's president of Italy. He's coming along. Um, Andre Duda, who's the um, who's the <laughs> the president of Poland. Yeah, I would have said Poland. Yeah. Yeah, you'd have said Poland, would you? Yeah. Um, and, and the only other one I've got on my list at the moment is is um, is a couple. Now I'm going to quiz you on this. Quizzing um, out, right. Yeah, who 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 do you think would be next in line in terms of one of our oldest allies to get onto the invite list? Considering they've got limited. Um, limited oh, I see. Space. So it's not just anyone. There's, no, there's not limited just space. Anyone, uh, no. Well, let's go Commonwealth. It's got to be Commonwealth. So I'm going to go Canada. No, it's not. No, no. Australia? No, it's not the Commonwealth. Not the Commonwealth. Not a Commonwealth? No. Really? Yeah, not the Commonwealth. Shall I give you a clue? Yeah. Um, Shoes. Somebody from Holland? No. No. That'd be clogs, wouldn't it? Yeah. That would be clogs. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's a bit cliched, isn't it? The old old Dutch uh, Clog dancing, yeah. The, so no, I think no, of no. shoes. I think of Imelda Marcos. That's what yeah, I think of. Yeah, not Imelda herself, because obviously she's no longer with us. But Ferdinand Marcos Jr. and Louise Alaneta Marcos, President and First Lady of the oh, Philippines. Lovely. They're going to be there. Yeah, they're going to be there as well. So, so we've done we've done the foreign heads of state. Now there's there's a list of celebrities that are, right. that are coming along now. Now who who any guesses, any ideas of who who might be amongst Shirley those? Bassey. Shirley Bassey's not there, not as far as I can see, no. No, okay. Um Lionel Richie. Yes. Lionel Richie's there. 
Yeah. <laughs> I ought to be ticking these up. Ding. Tom well, Cruise. Yeah. Bum. Tom Cruise. He's a friend of the Royals. Tom Cruise is not on the list. Uh, no, you're not coming in, Tom. No. Not today, even though you've been up in your Gary plane. Barlow. He's everywhere. No, he's not there either. I, I assume this. Well, I, I've taken this list from one of the uh, one of the national newspapers, and I don't know whether it's exhaustive. But the, this was suggesting this was the. You'd think if these other people would they be on there, wouldn't you? So I can only assume that. Um, <coughs> uh, who else? Let me um, give you any clues. Um, ooh, now what have we? Uh, Somebody who's very good um, eating leaves and <coughs> things. Attenborough. Might, no, you might find Attenborough. So David Attenborough good at eating leaves. Well, I thought he's he's watched so many things eating leaves. He might have started doing it himself. <laughs> eating leaves. Yeah, scouts. Scouts. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, uh, a bear. Bear grills. Bear, yeah. Bear. <coughs> I'm sorry, bear you are. Bear, bear, bear grills. You are. Yeah? I've, got, I've got a frog in my throat. <laughs> bear grills. He's coming along. Um, uh, uh, <coughs> who else have we got there? Strictly Come Dancing Judge. Oh, it can't be. What's his name? He's died, hasn't he? Um, no, it's not. No, not. Bruno, not Bruno Cantoli. No. Darcy Bustle. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, no, no. Try Craig again. Revel Horwood. No, no, not him either. No, really? No, yeah, no. Moxie Mabusi. She, she's. Oh be there. yes, yes, yeah, yes. Old Moxie. Um, a, a, a lady who's um. I go Carla. Pardon? I go Carla. I'm lost. She shouted that. I go Carla. I think something along those lines. What does that mean? I'm a Gurkha. Oh, Joanna Lumley. She's going to be there, yeah. Um, uh, there's uh, the gentleman from the, the repair shop, Jay oh, Blades. yeah, yeah, the, yeah. He's quite he helped, a character. He helps, um, he helped Prince Charles, didn't he, with a... Was it a clock he took in or something? It, yes, it was. It was a clock, yeah. 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 Um, Saturday night takeaway? Anton Deck. Yeah, they're going to be there. Oh, I okay. presume they're, not gonna, they're sorry, everywhere, though, aren't they? They are. Um, Nick Cave is going to be there. Nick Cave, the singer. Oh, yeah, yeah. he seems oh, a bit strange. Yeah, very, yeah, very strange. Um, yeah. Max Woosey, uh This is the young fellow, I think, who slept in his tent in Devon. Oh, yeah, sponsored. Yeah, to, yeah. To raise raise seven hundred fifty thousand for his grandmother's hospice. So oh. bless him. Oh, that's, yeah. That's well, nice, yeah, yeah. Fair play. Um, Dynamo, you know the magician? Oh, he's good, he is, yeah. Yeah, he's good. He makes so you want to watch those crown jewels, keep an eye on those. <laughs> he was, he apparently started his business with a with a startup loan from the Prince's Trust. So that's Did why he? he's there, yeah. Oh, that's, an, oh, that's a good news yeah. story. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Um, Rose Ailing Ellis, you know, the um, the lady's deaf lady who was in um, okay. uh, Strictly and also in East Oh, Enders. yes. Yes, she, she's there, and, and, and so is Amanda Holden. Um, I assume, oh right, I assume she'll be, you know, wearing yeah, something suitably attired. So that's yeah, three yeah. yeses from Amanda. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dame Kelly Holmes. Oh, um, yeah, the runner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kelly Jones. Do you know Kelly Jones? No, I don't know. Uh, she's the stereophonics singer. Oh, yes. Who, again, was supported by the Prince's Trust earlier in her career. Uh, who else have we got? Um, and Sabrin Turfel. You know, he's a big, big singer. And a Welsh singer, Bryn. Oh, him? yeah, I've seen... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's a bit of... So there we are. That's... Um, I think I've covered them all. That's all I've got here, really. But it sounds as though it could be quite... Um, quite. Oh, no, there's one other. Edward Eninful. Oh, I don't know who that is. No, well, I don't think you would. He's the editor of Vogue. And oh. Prin- and Prince's Trust Ambassador. I'm not sure how he's a celebrity. I suppose he must fit within that. That's so the thing is, are you going to be watching it? Well, um, I think I might watch a bit of it. Uh, I mean, more to the point, are you going to be pledging your allegiance to the crown? Are you, are you and uh, your good lady going to be up on your feet? Uh, not really my thing. Um, no. no, but I I like watching the military processions. Mm. So I'm going to watch it. I think it's 10.20 because I looked it up. Takes you back to your boys brigade days indeed yeah but i do love all that stuff and yeah. i just hope it doesn't rain on everyone so i'll watch that and and i'll i'll dip in and out of the ceremony it's in the abbey isn't it mm, in, in the abbey, abbey yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so um yeah but I, i'm not i'm not going to be doing this pledging thing because i just think it's a bit odd it's a bit strange isn't it yeah it's a bit weird because it used to just be the lords didn't it who did that? Yes, I mean that was weird enough to start with. It's a bit unless a box of ermine's going to turn up. I'm not doing it. So. A box of vermin. Ermine. Ermine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. I can't imagine why they'd have rat. Yeah. Or maybe that's something to do with dynamo. Yeah, yeah. and I might watch a bit of the the concert afterwards because you just do, don't you? Um, and um, but then on the Sunday we're having a a coronation barbecue. Uh. So. Is yeah. that when is that's on the Sunday, isn't it? The concert, or is that? That's oh, I thought it was in the evening. So it was on can, Saturday. Well, you can see how to, how away quickly, non-clued up I am. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, unless it, I mean, it might be in the evening, but he'll have to sort of get down the mail quickly if he's yeah. going to. Yeah. But, uh, oh well, it should be a good weekend anyway. I'm looking forward to it. And, yeah, but it's, it's a bit of fun to celebrate, isn't it? Doesn't? Yeah. People aren't going too crazy, are they? I haven't seen. I haven't seen any bunting out at all, apart from two flags at the village hall. Um, <laughs> but then there's always flags at the village hall, so you don't really notice them. But uh, no, it's yeah. a bit of a quiet to celebrate. I think it's yeah. economic times. Um, I think it is uh, and, understated. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But I'm sure we'll all have a good time and just. Um, Hope that the the sun shines. Well, that's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed Riff Raff News. Please leave some comments on the app or on our Facebook page. And uh, please subscribe and then episodes will drop automatically into your podcast feed.